Good morning, Hallows. I'm Vernon Havey, and I'm uh, excited and privileged to uh, be here this morning just to share God's Word. Uh, it's always fun and um, just such an amazing experience to dig into God's Word, see what He has to say, because He always has something to each one of us. <clears throat> Let me start us off in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are here. Your Holy Spirit is here within among and among us. Your word is here. Show us your way, your inspiration. Show to each of us your amazing combination of conviction, grace, and encouragement that leaps from every page and leads us to respond in gratitude and power to move forward with you. Amen. In 2015, Sherry and I moved from the Dallas area to Atlanta. <clears throat> I was starting a new job with more responsibilities um, and bigger challenges in a company that was in a recovery and rebuilding mode and urgently needed to deliver results. And the only person I knew there was my boss. What could possibly go wrong? I was a mess. I had to-do lists on top of to-do lists. <clears throat> I was bouncing between anxiety and despair. I couldn't sleep. It was a tough three-year tour in Atlanta, <clears throat> but as we came to realize over time, God was positioning us perfectly to make a later move here to Seattle. God was work the whole time in a remarkable way that we could not have orchestrated ourselves. Now think about a time in your life when you were about to embark on a new undertaking or challenge or journey. Perhaps it was a new job. <clears throat> Perhaps it was a new ministry challenge. Maybe a health problem, or a wedding, having a baby, or helping a friend or family member through a big change in their lives. How did you feel? Excited about the possibilities? Apprehensive about your capabilities and the unknown? Maybe like me, you couldn't sleep due to a thousand things running through your mind. Did you get anxious or discouraged? You may well be facing a challenge right now and feeling a mix of all those emotions. Well, Joshua and the people of Israel probably felt a lot like that as they readied themselves to cross the Jordan and move into the Promised Land. Our text today picks up at this point when they are preparing to start the conquest of the Promised Land. Now, this is arguably the most important point, inflection point in all of human history apart from the life of Jesus. God had been working toward this moment for centuries, since the time of Abraham. God had been specifically preparing Israel as a nation for the past 40 plus years. This was the move that was to truly establish Israel as a nation that God would use to bless the whole world, ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ. The land would forever be the epicenter of God's dealings with humankind. It forever established the territory that people the world over would recognize as the Holy Land. People are still fighting over this territory and will do so through the end of time. This was big. God was all in with these people and Joshua. This was a moment of high risk and high reward, both for Joshua and Israel and even God himself. So God just might have had a few things on his mind. Moses is dead. No lifeline now, no boss to consult, 
Got to move on. Do I have what it takes for this task? I've been the assistant, the lieutenant, but this is a big step, as big a career step as there can be. I'm not just to lead a nation, but to lead a nation to conquer another people and to move in and possess new land. Will these people follow me? Will these people follow you, God? These people were still untried, untested. This is a whole new generation. And the old generation utterly failed. So the track record isn't too great here. And by the way, I've just wasted the last 40 years of my life with these people. I was ready to go in, and they weren't ready to go. Um, And I'm kind of a little miffed here. You know, just saying. Oh, and don't forget, Lord, that I have an army to organize. And by the way, some chariots and horses would be really, really nice right now. You know, I'm thinking that Joshua might have had a to-do scroll or two in his pockets. So given all that Joshua might have had on his mind at this crucial point, let's see what God had to say. So as we read from Joshua, first chapter, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people... Prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river of the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction of my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As we examine this passage, I think we'll see a few key elements in God's words to Joshua. First, God promises. He makes specific promises to Joshua in Israel. Second, God charges. God charges Joshua to take on a specific task. Third, God equips. God equips Joshua to accomplish that task. And fourth, God encourages. God encourages Joshua to move forward. God promises, God charges, God um, equips, and God encourages. And then we'll see how that instructs us in finding strength and courage for what God has asked us to do. First, though, let's pause to consider what God did not say to Joshua. God didn't give him the big war strategy, not even a single battle plan. God didn't give Joshua the detailed first steps of the initial campaign. And aren't these the things that we usually pray for? 
I know when I get anxious about an undertaking, I feel a lot better when I start to see the details come together. Many of us humans seem to feel a lot better when we know where we're going and how we're going to get there. God didn't give Joshua the Google Maps blue line to go follow. (laughs) You know, God didn't do anything like that. Instead, God said, I need you to focus on me. Now think about this a minute. Effectively, God was saying, the history of the world is on my shoulders, not yours, Joshua. Don't sweat the big picture. Don't sweat the big strategy. Don't sweat the details either. The little touching matters and means. Now, for me personally, I'm constantly acting as though it's all on my shoulders. It's all up to me, and I'm totally focused on the details. Perhaps you're the same. It is what we humans do. It seems to be our condition. But what what does God say to that? God says, focus on me. Yes, Joshua, I need you to find strength and courage, but you find it in me, and here's how. The first thing God gave Joshua was his promise. God promises. Let's observe a few things about this promise. Verse 2 says, the land I am giving to the Israelites. This is God's gifting, God's grace in action. It is unfolding. This is present tense. Verse 3 says, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. This is past tense. God has decreed it. It's already done. You just can't see the fulfillment yet. Verse 4 says, your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and all the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. This is future tense. So God's grace and gifting is simultaneously working and moving in the past, the present, and the future. This has been decreed. It's as good as done for God's part, but it is yet a work in progress. We still have to participate. God's promise provides Israel a couple of other critical elements, too. It provides a hope of having their own land and the immediate purpose of going in to possess it. Hope and purpose. Hope and purpose are perhaps the most compelling of life forces for us humans. Hope gives us the reason for life itself, and purpose gives us the cause to press forward with our role in living it out. God's promises provide exactly that in this passage and even for us today. So then we see that God first provides his promises to Joshua and Israel so that they might have hope and purpose. Next, God charges. God charges. God didn't want Israel to miss out on the promise, so he charges Joshua to be strong and courageous. In fact, God says, be strong and courageous three times. Now, this might be time to stop and take note if God says it three times. This seems like God's exclamation point for Joshua and for us too. Verse 9 says, haven't I commanded you? This was not optional, not a suggestion, not an opinion, not a recommendation. It's nothing less than imperative for life as God intended it. And if God says, be strong and courageous, 
you know the road ahead is not going to be a piece of cake, <laughs> not a bed of roses. God didn't miraculously make all the people of Canaan disappear. He certainly could have done that. God wanted Israel to play a part, wanted Joshua to play a part. They had a job to do. They had to pull out a sword and use it. God doesn't make it all go away. We must participate. I think we also see here that God charges Joshua to be strong and courageous in order to do two things in particular. First, be faithful. In verse 7, God says, Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Strength and courage are required to remain faithful to God. It's not easy to, to, to uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it takes courage to follow God's direction. His ways are not the way of the world. The above all part of this, per- of this verse adds extra emphasis to this part of the charge. It seems to say, apply your strength and courage here first. This is your top priority. The rest will follow. And as a stronger exhortation, it seems to indicate that greater strength of character would be required to obey God's word than would be required to win military battles. Is it not true that the only true threat we face is us not following God? Is it not true that the only true that the only threat we face is us not following God? God can handle anything, but we have to go with him. So the first thing was for be faithful. The second thing is God charges uh, Joshua to be strong and courageous to act. To be strong and courageous, for you will distribute this land, the land. I have a job for you to do to distribute the land. So you need to be strong and courageous to accomplish it. The text mentions crossover and where the sole of your foot treads. In order to receive the inheritance, Joshua and Israel had to step forward. They had to face many obstacles. They had to participate. The gift was already given, but if Israel sat on the sidelines, they would never receive it. So we see then God charges his people to be strong and courageous in order that they might be faithful and act. The next thing, uh, the next key element is that God equips. God equips. God doesn't command us to do something that he doesn't equip us to do. And God equips Joshua with his word. Observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Now, there are many things we could take from this part of the passage, but here are a couple of thoughts. First, God's word helps us find God's perspective to success. God wants us to prosper and succeed in the task and role that he has given by making right choices. From what I see in the commentaries and other resources, the word translated here as success and succeed conveys the meaning to be prudent and circumspect 
to have insight and comprehension, to wisely understand, to conveys the idea of his wise and successful actions. The implication then is that Joshua would do well by choosing well, by making right choices. He would not capriciously choose the whatever-you-do part and expect success. And note the important transition words for then that start the second sentence of verse 8. This for then links the whatever-you-do part back to the carefully observe everything written in it part. In other words, observing everything written in it drives the whatever-you-do. A second key point here is that we maintain contact, uh, con- constant interaction between God's words and our actions. One commentator declared verse 8 the theme verse of the book of Joshua due to the tight connection between meditating, observing, doing, and success. Meditating comes first. The phrase from your mouth refers to the custom of muttering while Uh, studying or reflecting. The word translated meditate literally means mutter. When people continually mutter God's word to themselves, they are constantly thinking about it. So maybe talking to yourself isn't such a bad thing. Observing comes next. Knowledge of God's word is not enough. One must also be careful to do what it commands. Everything written in it must be observed because obedience to certain parts only is really no obedience at all. Then, as we noted previously, when we choose rightly, we can enjoy success in accomplishing the tasks that God has assigned us to do. The, this whole interactive flow between meditating, observing, doing, and success truly sums up our whole life's relationship with God. So God equips his people to be strong and courageous by the power and guidance of his word. And finally in this passage, we see that God encourages. God encourages. He tells Joshua, do not be anxious, do not be discouraged, and gives him a reason for not being anxious and discouraged. God gives Joshua his presence. I will be with you. I will not leave you or abandon you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think there is something special for us to take from this. As we choose to be active with God in his word and his work, he is active with us through his presence. I think we see in this passage that God's assurances of his presence are interwoven with his charge to Joshua. As, Joshua, as God charges Joshua to be faithful and to act, he weaves in his assurances of his presence. It is a real and living relationship that we get to be a part of. When we are active in pursuing him, he is active with us in his presence. And so we see that God encourages his people through his presence. So we've now seen from, from God's words to Joshua at this very crucial time, that God promises, God charges, God equips, and God encourages. So how do we find strength and courage? 
God tells us not to be discouraged or anxious. But wait a minute, I can get pretty discouraged or anxious. In fact, I can all too easily swing back and forth between the two. And I might not be the only person in the room who does so. (laughs) Anxiety can get me spun up and frozen up, then discouragement and even depression can set in when I've run out of gas, become exhausted, and just want to give up. It happens. That's what we humans do. We mess up. It's part of the fallen human condition. Adam and Eve just might have been the first known depression cases when they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And they were likely more than a little anxious about what awaited them next. So what do we do when we find ourselves anxious and discouraged? Well, I think the point is we shouldn't stay there. We don't let ourselves camp out in anxiety and discouragement. We don't build a house there. We don't hang out for a while. I hear God saying to us in those times and through this passage, stay with me. Don't faint on me. Hang in there. As an ER doctor might say to a trauma patient, stay with me and then connect with the patient through conversation to help keep them involved, engaged, and committed to participating in their recovery. God is saying, stay with me. Engage with me through my word. Participate with me. I think it's very more important to acknowledge our anxiety and discouragement in talking with God. David seems to do this in many of his psalms. He starts out by telling God his anxieties and his fears and all of his problems before he transitions to reminding himself of God's mercy and care. For me, I think that acknowledging my anxiety and discouragement to God helps clear the air. It opens up the communication with the one person who can really help. It helps me get past the whiny stage. It says, Lord, I recognize this is not where you want me to be, to live. Help me to move forward. So recognize it, acknowledge it to God, and then strengthen ourselves in the Lord through these steps that God has laid out here for Joshua. God has laid out some pretty good therapy steps for us to follow. I think we'll see that God has provided a pattern for stepping forward with him to be encouraged, to be equipped, and to follow God's charge. Of course, there's water. (laughs) So the first step in finding strength is to be encouraged by God's promise and presence. Be encouraged by God's promise and presence. This step is so critical in getting ourselves moving in the right direction. In this passage, God seems to bracket his charge with Joshua with exactly these things, his promise and his presence. God's first charge to be strong and courageous is based on the promise of the inheritance. Verse 6 states, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. That's the promise. God's third charge to be strong and courageous is based on the presence of God. Verse 9 states, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
that's his presence. Now, just as Joshua enjoyed God's promise and presence, we enjoy the same. There are several parallels there. Joshua was Israel's Savior. Jesus is our Savior. In Hebrew, Joshua means Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. The Greek form of the name Joshua, or Yahweh saves, is Jesus. God's promise to Joshua and Israel was an inheritance, a land of their own, living in God's people and living in his presence. God's promise to us, our inheritance, is salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. His presence with us is the Holy Spirit that lives within us when we accept him uh, as our Savior. Joshua led Israel to victory over our enemies and into possession of the promised land. Jesus, through his death on the cross, gives us victory over sin and death and leads us into possession of eternal life. Joshua interceded for the nation after it had sinned and been defeated. Joshua intercedes for us for forgiveness of our sins. Now, for us to find encouragement in our times of anxiety and discouragement, we must remind ourselves of the promise and presence that we already have in Jesus. It is so easy to lose sight of this. Satan uses the things on our to-do list, the cares of the world, to distract us from the reality of God's promise and presence. Romans 8.38 tells us, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And by the way, this great love comes from the all-powerful creator of the universe. So what am I worried about? I think we must also pause to remind ourselves how God has provided in the past. The leaders of Israel often constructed a pile of rocks as an enduring testament to God's deliverance. Those rocks were there to remind them of God's presence and love. What are my rocks? What are your rocks? What are those events in your life? Keep your rocks handy. And so we see that the first step in finding strength and courage is to be encouraged by God's promise and presence. The second step is to be equipped by God's word. Be equipped by God's word. This step builds on the first. We found God's promise and presence through his word. And some days we need to focus on just his promise and presence. But we need to move deeper to observe carefully the whole instruction. We need to know it fully and completely. We must meditate on it. We must be consistent as God instructed Joshua. Now what does this do for us? It connects us with the power of God. It refocuses our thoughts, our minds, from our problem to his word. His power. It also causes me to carefully consider God's definition of have success, prosper, and succeed in my situation. Not the way I might define prosperity and success, that is getting whatever I want, but completing the mission that God has for me, running the race, acting in wisdom and forethought, choosing wisely, behaving wisely, 
and successful. It also prepares my heart to be open to his direction and instruction. It continually points me to God's highest good. We might be fully justified in taking a particular course that would not be sin and would not be contrary to his word. However, is it his highest desire for everyone in the situation? Is it God's highest outcome for me and others? Which is more important, caring for the relationship or getting the task accomplished? Is efficiency really the highest good? Is promise, uh, profit optimization really the highest good here? Is being right or proven right really the highest good? So we see the second step then in finding strength and courage is to be equipped by God's word. The third step is to follow God's charge. You are a Joshua. Yes, you. <laughs> Just check your to-do list. You're leading in one or likely many roles, in roles where God needs you, in lives where God needs you. Not that God can't do things by himself, but he chooses to work through people. And he's chosen you and me for the very role we're in right now. We are commissioned just as Joshua was. God's charge is to act in that role in the strength and courage he provides. Now, receiving God's strength and courage requires our participation. Strength and courage aren't much use unless they're put into action. They aren't real until we do something. We still have to step forward to complete the work. We can't work in the situation if we don't get in the game. We have God's promise. Then we have a job to do to live into that, to take up the fight, to receive the prize. You know, it even seems we actually need a battle to fight. Though the land was God's gift to Israel, it could be won only by hard fighting. The Lord gave them title to the territory, but they had to possess it by marching on every part of it. They had to pull out a sword and use it. And God left future battles for Israel to fight. Later in Judges chapters 2 and 3, a very disobedient Israel hears this from God. Because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their fathers and disobeyed me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel and to see whether or not they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua in order to test all those in Israel who had experienced none of the wars in Canaan. This was to teach future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. Amazing. Two reasons we see here are given uh, for having battles to fight. The first is to test their obedience. But the second is so that they will learn to fight in battle. We too must learn warfare, how to fight. Aren't there lessons that can't be learned in any other way? 
struggle seems to be important and even beneficial to us spiritually, developmentally. In this world where God allows Satan to roam, we must always stay in battle shape, be battle ready, be tested and hardened. Satan doesn't go away for good. The battle doesn't go away for good. Stay ready. Even in the Garden of Eden, there was still the tree. And there was the serpent ready to point the way. <clears throat> we always need a challenge. We need to participate. But this is hard, he said. Yes, it is the fallen human condition. There have been in thorns in the field ever since Adam planted the first crop outside the garden. Some days the goal for being strong and courageous is small. Show up. Put one foot in front of the other, keep at it. And that's okay. God can work with that. <clears throat> Musicians, writers, athletes, they keep practicing every day, whether or not they have a breakthrough that day. We do the same. But breakthroughs will occur if we keep at it. And God promises to be with us at every step of the way. And so we must, and so we see that to find strength and courage, we must be encouraged by God's promise and presence, be equipped by God's word, and follow God's charge. I think God has laid out some pretty amazing therapy steps here for us to follow. But let me note, this is not a journey to be tackled alone. Joshua had a team of elders and commanders. We need to walk this walk in community. Perhaps it's your missional community. Perhaps it's a friend or family member walking this journey with you, and, and perhaps it's professional help from time to time. Oftentimes, this is not an easy process to work through. We can get stuck, and we need others. And now let me suggest a little illustration to wrap up. What do you tell your children or grandchildren when they're having a meltdown or a hard time? At least on your good day. I'm here. You likely say some version of, I'm here. Or maybe you don't say anything at all. Maybe you just hold them close. You encourage them with your presence. Then perhaps you refocus their thoughts. You equip them by your words. Your words equip them with options, with perspective. You may simply distract them to help them focus on something other than their selfish meltdown issue. You may give them better options, perhaps easier to grasp, or you may engage in problem solving if you're old enough. In whatever form it takes, your words equip them. And finally, you charge them. You charge them to act in a better way. You help them re-engage with siblings or playmates in a more positive way. You may charge them to apologize, to share, to give. Well, it's the kid version of being strong and courageous. You have to take action in some way for a lesson to be learned and to be successful and prosperous. Sounds a lot like God's counsel to Joshua and to us. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be a Joshua in the role and task you have uniquely designed for each of us. Encourage us, 
equip us, lead us, and sometimes give us a big holy shove. In Jesus' name.